0: Good morning, everyone, and as we continue in our time of worship, we hope and we pray that your Advent season is going well, that it really is a holy journey, as we've had an opportunity to explore the light of Christ, where we discover God's hope, where we discover God's peace, and today, part of what that means in discovering joy in the Lord. So as we get ready to do that today, would you join with me in a word of prayer? Almighty God, this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't want to stress anyone out today, but here's a little secret. Uh, Christmas is only about two more weeks away. (laughs) So let that sink in for just a moment, just a couple of more weeks to keep working, but also find time for all the holiday concerts to finish up getting all of the gifts, to finish up baking and sending cards, Uh, just a few more weeks to finish up your holiday plans and then get ready to take a break. So getting extra work done so that you can take that break, just a few more weeks to fit all of that in. So in the midst of all the busyness, I'm guessing that some of us or most of us or maybe all of us could use an extra jolt of energy in some way. And for a lot of people, that extra jolt of energy tends to come in the form of caffeinated beverages. So today I'm curious. Uh, I wanna ask you to think for just a moment when you need some kind of energy jolt and where caffeine and specifically coffee is concerned, I'd love to know what your favorite or most preferred form of a caffeinated beverage would be, again, specifically related to coffee. So I'm gonna ask you in a moment just to throw into the chat with your online host what your number one preference is, and that is number one, do you just like black coffee? You know, straight up. Number two, do you like coffee only with cream or sugar? Number three, do you like coffee that really doesn't even taste like coffee? You know, cappuccinos and frappuccinos and all of those kinds of things. Or number four, do you like anything but coffee? So just go ahead and throw in the chat there, which one is your favorite? Number one, black coffee. Number two, coffee only with cream or sugar. Number three, coffee that doesn't really taste like coffee. Or number four, anything but coffee. And again, we'll see how you uh, do there and just go ahead and share with the online host. For me, I would be category number three. I like those things that really don't taste like coffee. So I like a caramel macchiato, I like a pumpkin spice latte, something like that. Uh, Just trying to be careful that I don't get something with too many calories because I love the sweetness of some of those drinks. Now, I'm not gonna ask you today how many coffee beverages you have on an average day We will save that for another time. I've got this whole idea of receiving a bit of a blast or a lot of a jolt in mind because we are in the season of Advent. Advent is the time of the year when we get ready for the coming of Christ among us, born as a tiny baby boy. And usually when we think of Jesus coming among us so often, we think of this passive, cute, uh, almost quiet coming kind of a thing. We think of Jesus, meek and mild, lying quietly in the hay, celebrating with him as he's lying quietly by the lambs and the little drummer boy. And we do this with baked cookies and beautiful tinsel and finely wrapped presents. You know, little Jesus, asleep on the hay, little baby Jesus, no crying he makes. And we tend to do this in such a way that we, we make the coming of Jesus this sugary, sweet, spiritual experience, so that we feel good. Need I say anything more to convey this idea than these three little words? Hallmark Christmas movies. And those movies, they're, absolutely, they are fun, if you like those kinds of things. No doubt this is how our culture gets ready for the coming of Jesus. But according to Scripture, this is not how Jesus' followers get ready for Christmas. This is not how Luke presents the time of getting ready for Jesus. There is nothing meek or mild in Luke's description today in the Gospels. What Luke shares with us is that, as the Reverend Dr. Will Willimon comments, the Messiah who floods into our world at Advent is more than a syrupy, sweet, spiritual phenomenon. Jesus is also an ethical, political, moral demand. In other words, Jesus comes as a jolt. Today, we share again about John the Baptist in the Gospel of Luke. And if you were with us last week, you might remember we also looked at some of these verses. But we're not just going to do a repeat of last week. One of the great things about Scripture is there's always a deeper place to go. We can look at the same set of verses and see something completely different. And that's a lot of what's happening here in the verses that we're looking at this morning. And what we start to discover is that John the Baptist is somebody that we need to pay attention to. He is somebody we have to give due attention to. And what John the Baptist does is he introduces Jesus as Messiah who saves his people by calling forth a new people who not only believe in Jesus, who not only think about Jesus in their minds, but they live through their actions and behaviors into the good news of Jesus Christ as well. So followers of Christ are not just thinkers about Jesus, as John points us to, they also take action in their lives. In fact, the coming of Jesus, as described in Luke with John the Baptist, it's not a passive event, it is a jolt that happens. Obviously not a caffeine jolt, but a jolt of light coming into our darkness. This is no faint glimmer of Jesus, it's a bolt of light. Luke is a master storyteller, and part of what Luke does is he shares the story of John the Baptist coming and Jesus coming against the backdrop of the Roman occupation of Judea. And because Luke is a great master storyteller, he does not flat out say, now I'm going to tell you all a story with some very real political implications. Instead, Luke tells a story about some ordinary, lowly, first century people, that then is acted out against the backdrop of a violent, even threatening world. I wonder if that kind of mindset sounds familiar at all to us in a world where there is so much violence and there is so much threat going on. And what John the Baptist tells us in Luke is that against this backdrop of violence and oppression and injustice in our world, against these forces of darkness will burst a jolt of light, the light of Jesus Christ. And we get a sense of that today in Luke chapter three, verse two, where we hear these words. During the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John son of Zachariah in the wilderness. Now that sounds harmless enough. The word of God came, was delivered, sent, came among to John than us it sounds almost ho-hum until you realize that literally in the greek what it really says is the word of god happened to john i love that the word of god the long-awaited eagerly anticipated desired word of god happened to john there's a burst for john there's a jolt for john as it comes to him Think for a moment when you're in a completely dark room and either you or somebody comes along and turns on the light switch. What happens when you turn that light switch on? There's no warm-up. There's no gradual entry into. It's suddenly a burst of light to which your eyes must adjust. And so there might even be some squinting at first. This is what Luke is telling us through John the Baptist today. The Word of God, the light of Jesus, will burst in among the backdrop of darkness in our world. And it's against this darkness that the light will come and allow us to see differently. In fact, it will require us to adjust our eyes to see differently. In this way, the message of John, it's really pretty simple and direct. The Messiah, the light, is coming And that light will confront the darkness and earthly powers of this world. And when you see that light, says John, respond. When you experience the light, respond. How is it that we are to respond when we experience the one true light? John is pretty simple and clear. Look in Luke chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. What should we do then, the crowd asked, and John answered. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized, and teacher they asked, what should we do? John told them what to do. Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And John told them as well. He replied, don't exhort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. When you experience the light of Christ, says John, share. Share clothes. Share food with those who don't have. Use only what you need. Do not hoard. Be fair. Don't practice dishonest gain. Be content. And notice what John does not say in preparation for this coming light john does not say hey everybody i want you to sit around think about the light reflect on the light sit around ponder the light muse on the light pontificate on the light it's not what john says john says act in the light as the light of christ shines into the darkness john says we experience that light by acting into it so share Be fair, practice hospitality, be content. Earlier, John had told us to also offer repentance. This is how we live into the coming light among us. And when we hear this, it's easy enough to think, well, that's for the heroes of the faith. That's for the spiritually mature to do that. That's for those who do extraordinary things in the faith. We think that you have to go to the far-off lands of a third world country and go on a spectacular mission trip. But that's not what we're being told here today. It's odd that we think that this message is only for the spiritually mature. Because Luke goes out of his way to demonstrate that the Messiah coming comes to the ordinary people who live in the midst of darkness. John is telling us, if you want to greet this Messiah, if you want to welcome this light among us, if you really want to be part of his holy movement and live in the light, then... Do what ordinary people can do. Pay attention to what you do with your money. Be willing to change the direction you were heading in that was destructive. Realize you have all that you need, so be content with that. Don't take advantage of people. Serve other people where you can, and in those ways you join in the light. To be clear, John is not asking ordinary folks just to do these things. He's not just saying, I want you to think about this. He's not saying, I want you to consider this. John is telling them to do this with pretty forceful language. Look what we hear in in chapter three, verses seven and eight. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And then he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That's a command given. That's a direct telling. He's not telling them to think about it. Take action in the light, says John. Experience the light. Share the light through your actions. It's all so bold. It's all such a jolt that we receive today into our normal holiday sentimentality. Nothing subtle here. Are you feeling festive yet? Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) And yet here's the thing. Did you catch the very last words in the last verse we shared today? Luke 3.18, what does it say? And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. John exhorted and proclaimed the good news to them. Please hear the good news. Despite this burst of fiery language that John brings, despite what may not sound like the best news at first in the world to our ears because of its harshness, because of the joltedness of it, Luke could not be more clear that in proclaiming this news, it is good news to the people of God, to all people. Today is the third Sunday in Advent, and traditionally In this third Sunday, we light a third candle in the Advent wreath, representing joy. So hope was week one, peace was week two. Today we celebrate joy. I've shared with you uh, in the past that there's this thing called the lectionary that offers different scripture passages to look at each week. And we don't always follow the lectionary, but on this particular week, if we were following the exact lectionary, there's actually four different scripture passages lifted up for today. And I want to share with you the other three because all of these other three, they show clearly this theme of joy. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 20, we would hear, At that time I will gather with you. At that time I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. It's easy to find the theme of joy in that passage given for today. In Isaiah chapter 12, verses two and three, we hear this. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation with joy. You will draw water from the wells of salvation. That one even says directly the theme of joy. So it's easy to find it there. The third passage that we're given comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4-7 to 7, that says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That is possibly one of the most joyful passages in all of Scripture. But then the fourth and final passage we're given for this day by the lectionary as we're thinking about this theme of joy, is what we've already heard in the Gospel of Luke, where John comes and shares about this jolt of light in such a forceful, almost harsh way. How in the world is this joyful good news? I want to offer at least three ways that I think the light of Christ does lead to joy. Number one, the light of Christ comes powerfully to all, wherever they are. Not just to the most spiritually mature, not just those in religious places, but to absolutely everyone, no matter where they are. Part of what John is proclaiming to us today is to all of you who live in some out-of-the-way place, who are living ordinary lives, engaged in mostly ordinary everyday affairs, besieged by the injustices and darkness of this world, guess what? The light is coming. And guess what? He's coming to you. He's coming to you in places like Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Montoursville, Pennsylvania, Loyal Sock, Pennsylvania, Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania. Wherever you are, the light comes. And he calls you right where you are to come and to follow him. That is good news. We all know that we live in a harsh, oftentimes dark world. There's nothing subtle about the forces of the intensity of the evil that we face in so many forms. For me personally, in recent days, I feel like I've encountered some, just some of those really strong forces and elements of darkness. So it should give us hope that the light of Christ is just as bold as the darkness. Actually, it's even more bold, more strong, and more powerful than the dark forces in this world. And that should give us hope because the light is greater than the darkness as it bursts in, as it jolts in and jars the darkness and sends it scattering. We prepare for this light that is greater than any darkness we face and that should give us hope and peace and joy. This is not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This is not nice Jesus. Thanks be to God. This is Jesus who stares down the dark powers of this world as he enters in, as he bursts in as the light among us. And this light is powerful. John the Baptist offers these words in Luke chapter 3.16. He says, But one who's more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. We can live in joy because we realize this joy is powerful, bold, jolting, and disrupts the dark forces of this world. And it all comes to us, ordinary people, everywhere. That is cause for great rejoicing and joy. We also know that the the light of Christ leads to joy in this way. The light of Christ ushers in the Holy Spirit as comforter. Did you hear Luke 3, 16? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's just gonna do the the straps of the shoes, but Jesus, he's gonna baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you remember other places in scripture where we are told about the Holy Spirit? Places like the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 16, we're told that God the Father will send the Holy Spirit among us, and there's a term used that we often refer to with the Holy Spirit translated as advocate. The Holy Spirit becomes our advocate, and one of the most common translations of advocate is among other things, comforter. So Luke is reminding us that even in the darkness, even in our struggles, the light of Christ comes through the Holy Spirit who will comfort us, no matter what we're going through, who will comfort us in the darkness. No, we have to be a little bit careful with this term comforter. When we think of comforter, we might think of the big uh, fluffy thing that's on our bed that feels good and that we can wrap up in. We might think of something plush and comfy and cushy and all of that kind of stuff. Because often we think of comfort leading to pleasure. To make things easier when we're in pain, to take away some of the pain. And that's definitely part of the meaning. But the original Latin word for comfort, comfort actually means much more than that. There's a wonderful piece of ancient tapestry, it's called the Bayo Tapestry. We're gonna show you a picture of this on the screen. I wanna invite you to look at this picture as best as you can. This is a scene that's being depicted of a bishop, his name was Bishop Odo, rallying Duke Williams' troops during the Battle of Hastings clear back around 1000 AD. Now, here's what's interesting about this picture before you. The literal Latin caption given to this picture says this, here Bishop Odo holding a club gives comfort to the boys. Now, if you look at this picture carefully, you'll see that Bishop Odo is actually standing behind the army, those boys, holding a club. How in the world is that comfort? Here's why. The original use of the word for comfort had a double meaning. One meaning is to take care of, to ease pain in hard times. But the other part of the meaning referred to a strengthening and an emboldening boldening of those that you were with. So in this case, Bishop Odo is strengthening and emboldening the troops as he's yelling from behind them with his own club to go into battle and to fight. That is a form of comfort as well. We don't often think of comfort that way. Again, we think of the the comfy chairs, the things that make us feel better, the things that are just so easy and take away our pain. But that's more of a modern concept of the idea of comfort. When we hear the Holy Spirit coming and comforting us, it's not just that the Holy Spirit comes to take away the pain we're in, it also means the Holy Spirit will come and embolden you, empower you to live into that which is before you to drive away the darkness. A good example of this today might be to think of a caregiver or a nurse. What does a caregiver or nurse do? They simultaneously do two things. They care for somebody coming out of surgery or any medical procedure. They offer tender, loving care and compassion. But those same caregivers also offer comfort by emboldening the patient to get out of bed to stretch their limbs, to work through rehab, even sometimes to work through the pain in order to become stronger. True caretakers both offer comfort in the form of easing pain, but also emboldening to move forward. In the light of Christ, we receive this Holy Spirit, this godly comforter who doesn't just come to take away our struggles and our pains, but also to be emboldened and stand against the forces of darkness in this world. This is what happens when the light bursts among us so that we can receive that kind of comfort and then live into that kind of joy. We experience joy with the light of Christ because that light comes to everybody, us, ordinary people in ordinary places everywhere. And we experience the joy in the light of Christ because the Holy Spirit comes as comforter. And we also experience joy in the light of Christ because the light will defeat the darkness. Advent is joyful because it carves out space in which we recognize God arriving into our world and offering us the gift of the darkness being overthrown. Advent is about carving out space in which God can arrive into our world because when God comes and when God is among us, powerful things happen. When the light shines, the darkness is driven back. A while back, there were some students who had taken a mission trip to Haiti during their summer break. And during one of the final evenings of the trip, the students sat around a campfire and they shared some of their favorite scripture passages with each other. So one said their favorite passage was John 10.10, I come that you shall have life in the full. Another said their favorite passage of scripture was Romans 8.28, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then there was a Haitian woman who had traveled with the group as a translator and she piped up and she wasn't quite sure of the reference for her favorite Bible passage, but she knew it was towards the end of the Gospel of Mark. And it was something about the sun going down and things going black and the stars falling from the sky and this world being overthrown. And it's the passage she said where Jesus said, woe to you pregnant women and nursing mothers. You might remember Pastor Janet actually referenced this same imagery in week one of this Advent series on light. The students in that story though, looked at the woman in stunned silence. Why in the world was that her favorite passage? Finally, one of them had the courage to ask and say, why was this her favorite passage? And the woman with disarming simplicity said, because this world is broken, And that brokenness needs to come to an end. The group later learned this woman's story. She had a tragic history of miscarriages and pregnancies that had ended. And most of them were from preventable causes. But because of the lack of medical care in Haiti, she wasn't able to get the help she needed. And she didn't just believe the world was broken at some theoretical level. She knew it in the core of her being. That woman needed light. She needed a light that would defeat the darkness, the brokenness of this world. And today John tells us about this light. John tells us to prepare for this light. And that light has a name and his name is Jesus. And he still comes and he still drives back the darkness. And for that reality, we can come and give great joy. What's your experience today of the light of Christ? Today, where do you need a boost or a jolt, (laughs) a reminder that the darkness is not the end? Where do you need to be both comforted and empowered? Today, in the midst of all the busyness and preparation for all that comes with the Christmas season in our culture, let us do our best to prepare our hearts to welcome the light of Christ among us so that we don't just think about the light of Christ, but that we experience the light through our actions as well. Thanks be to God for this light, this holy light that shines among us and drives out the darkness That we might experience joy together would you join with me in a word of prayer light of christ jolt us this day lord jesus you who are born among us into a very human family you who took up residence in our world we come to you and pray lord we thank you that you took an interest in in us because you as the light You come close to us and therefore remind us you care about us. Lord, because you come and reach out to us, we can reach out to you. And so, God, today we are bold to pray against the darkness and the brokenness in this world. Lord, comfort us as we pray, both to be eased of the pain that we may be in and pain for others, but also this day to be emboldened to shine and share your light in the darkest of places including God in the face of injustice and violence and suffering of all kinds. In this Christmas season, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come and shine your beautiful, wonderful, holy, joyful light among us. Help us today to prepare for your arrival and help us to await your arrival with great, great joy. For this is good, good news to celebrate this day. Thanks be to God, our light in Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, as we get ready to go forth, let us go in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, living into the light of Jesus Christ, the light that drives back the darkness, that today we might be a people who live in hope, and peace and eternal joy. And let us share those things with all the world. Go in peace and serve the Lord this day.